0: G'day everyone, Craig from People With A Passion and today I'm joined by Jenny Woolsey who's all about embracing difference. How are you going, Jenny?
1: I'm doing really well, Craig. How are you?
0: Yeah, I'm pretty good. I really appreciate you giving your time today to talk about um, difference and embracing difference. But I want to start with the journey. Why is this so important to you to, to uh, talk about this?
1: Okay, so Craig, I was born with a very rare craniofacial syndrome. So craniofacial means cranio is your skull and facial is your face. So basically when I was growing in my mother's womb, my, the bones in my skull and my face didn't form properly. So they were too small. So when I came out into the world, my skull was all fused. So it was tiny. Mm-hmm. And my eye sockets were very small because they'd stopped growing too soon. So I had really bulgy eyes. Mm-hmm. I also, my cheekbones hadn't formed properly. So they were really flat. But the funny thing is that my jaw was quite normal and quite big. So I looked very much different. Uh, very much as, um, out of proportion, I guess okay. you could say.
0: As a child, I imagine that you probably don't yet know that you are different. At what stage in your life, how early was it for you that you started to realize the world might be looking at you a little bit differently?
1: Well, apparently I knew pretty early on um, because at that time in society, people who were different, children who were different weren't brought out into society. They were either kept at home, hidden away, or they were put into institutions. Mm -hmm. So they were hidden away there. So I have been told by my parents that I was probably three or four when I started knowing, realizing that people were staring at me and people were pointing at me and comments were being made. Mm -hmm. But obviously as the older I got, uh, the more I, I internalized what society was telling me Mm
0: -hmm. and what was that internalization what were you thinking to yourself like talk speak to what someone with difference is saying to themselves when it's something that you can't change
1: yeah well it's it's really hard when you are obviously different on the outside everybody sees it and when it's your face you can't hide it away it goes with you everywhere and what I was being told is that I was—I'm a freak. I'm—I'm I'm weird. I'm—I'm I'm not worthy. I'm not a valuable human being. And that was the message that I was getting from society.
0: And and you've also got a visual impairment. I do. And do you want to speak to your visual impairment? And when, um, like you said, from the age of nine, I think. So yeah. what? How did that come about? And was it related to to that or something
1: else? Yeah. So. I was able to have life-saving cranial work done on my skull when I was a baby and that was all pioneer surgery and that kept me alive and then uh, there was no craniofacial surgery available in Australia Uh, and then when I was eight um, a couple of the units were set up in Australia Mm -hmm. so my parents wanted to help me fit into society and so they took me along to the closest unit in Brisbane and I was the first patient operated on in Queensland with my syndrome and but there were complications and that's how I became visually impaired.
0: You were born with a challenge of difference Mm -hmm. and then in in order to bring yourself to be What's the word more accepted? I Mm -hmm. guess by society as as a as looking normal, if we can use that term. If there's any such thing, yeah, that's it. Um, And then you've you've then faced another challenge that for you to fit into society, there's almost a a a trade off with losing sight. Yeah. So so that had it, and obviously it has had its own set of challenges. Yeah. So you're blind in one eye, you Mm -hmm. indicated, and the other eye you have slide vision, but you don't see up, down? Yeah. Yeah. I
1: don't have peripheral vision. It's a bit like tunnel vision, but I only see out of a semicircle, not a circle.
0: Yeah, okay. So what was that for you? What sort of challenge is that to then be nine years old, starting to probably be comfortable in your skin because you're starting to look the norm, Mm -hmm. like if that's again, if that's a thing. How does that challenge then, Where's that challenge take you now with with when you had sight, now the trade-off?
1: Well, I guess it I don't really remember it being a big issue, apart from the fact that I was told I had to wear glasses. But then I didn't want to be teased for wearing glasses, so I refused to wear them. Okay. So I just faked it. Mm-hmm. I faked that I could see. Okay. So I would listen to the teacher. I would copy off my friends. I um, In Year 5, I did have to sit down the front of the room, but which really made me angry because at the time the our teacher sat all the children in order of their mathematics scores and I was quite bright so I should have been at the back of the room but because I couldn't see, he sat me down the front of the room which wasn't a big deal but he forgot about me. And so when the back of the room were doing all their independent stuff, yes. I couldn't be with them. Yeah, sure. So, and that really affected me.
0: So you experienced bullying. Mm-hmm. Um, so first you know you're different, you're, mm-hmm. you're young, you know you're different. Then you get bullied. What age did that start? Like, what, How early does that start for someone that's noticeably different?
1: Well, I started as soon as I was born because mm-hmm. um, mum and dad copped it yeah. as soon as I was born with um, people telling them, don't bring me out in society. Yeah. And then obviously as I got older, um, I knew it. So um, grade one in particular... Kindy, I I don't have any bad memories, Yes. but grade one, I remember straight away. Since I hit primary school, it was basically every day, all the way through primary school. And the thing is, after I had that operation uh, at the age of nine, my face, your face changes. Yes. Like you go from your baby face to childhood face to your teenage to adult. Well, all my surgery was undone. Mm-hmm. So my fa even though my face looked normal at the age of nine, by the time I was I was thirteen, it was going back to how it was. Sure. And it kept progressing. Yeah.
0: Did you have multiple operations? I did, did I had hours? one
1: more when I was eighteen. Okay. Because mm. there was no point. Yeah. Okay. They realized after doing the right. first one that everything just regresses. So they said, wait till you're eighteen. Okay. Yeah.
0: So so teenage is tough horrible. for anyone. Yeah. yeah. They were horrific. <laughs> so how tough was it for you? Like, Were, were there any thoughts of, and, and this is going down the hmm. bullying track, of suicide and things like that? Were you at that ever at that point?
1: I'd have to say it was really hard. Um, I didn't have too many problems with girls, actually. Mm-hmm. It was the boys. Okay. Through my whole experience. I mean, you hear about the mean girls, and um, but for me, it was the mean boys. So all the way through primary school, it was the boys, and they were usually... A pair or a group. Okay. It wasn't normally just one person. How how were some of
0: those people, if you were an individual Mm -hmm. setting, were they more... um,
1: They would ignore me.
0: So they wouldn't be
1: kind, Okay. but they would ignore me. But it was that group mentality.
0: Yeah, okay.
1: And um, high school was the same. It was pairs, usually pairs of boys that would pick on me that I remember. Okay. So I was... I got really bad depression, I, looking back. It was never diagnosed back then, but I know I was really lost and I was really confused and I was really, you know, why me? Well, why is this all about me? But um, I had really good friends. Mm-hmm. So even though there were kids who treated me really badly... I always had special friends who protected me. And that was really important because I think if I didn't have my friends, then I could have gone down
0: that road, that,
1: that really bad road. Dark road, yes. Yeah. And I think that's important for people to know. If you feel different, you need to find someone who Sees past the physical mm. or whatever the difference is. Well, sees, sees you who sees who, who you. you. And yeah. that's what they did, you know. Yeah.
0: So you had a group of friends I did. and community. I and that, did. that's important, particularly in an anti bullying yeah. framework, yeah. to actually find people who accept you for who that's you right. are, not for, for difference. And that's where your support is. And they're the ones feeding the positive. Don't worry about them. Don't exactly. worry about what they say. That's not who you are, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And, and, and in the scheme of things, telling you they don't matter that's and the, right and the, the truth is they actually don't matter yeah that's right <laughs> so you're also a christian yes, and I you am. believe in god yeah. and that's helped you through your journey and you've explained that um as a teenager that was big for you yeah. do you want to speak to your faith and why that's important too yeah to, to yeah helping you through
1: so i started going to sunday school as a child and i just really loved that there was a um a, a spiritual being so there was a god out there who who loved me, and um, I was born... And I learned over time that I wasn't a mistake. Like, I was meant to be the way I was made. Yes. And so that that helped me also to cope psychologically with the why me, because I was like, well, God made me this way for a purpose, and that I would go through life and live out my purpose. Yes. And, um, and when times got tough, I could go to God and pray and, and just ask for help. Mm-hmm. And God always sent help in the way of friends or, or, so, or something would happen.
0: Yes. How much of a problem do you think exists with the individuals that bully? I mean, do you think they've got their own set of problems and it's a way to make themselves feel normal, better? Like, what do you assess as a psychology of a bully?
1: Oh, definitely they are the ones with the problem. Like I've even actually had, the main bully that I remember from my childhood has actually apologized to me. Mm -hmm. We reconnected on Facebook and he wanted to be my friend. And I was like, yeah, right. Yeah. And I thought, no, this happened years ago. I'm not going to carry this anymore, which I had. I had carried the trauma. And so I thought, well, I'm just going to forgive him because we were kids. Yeah. And then I said to him, do you remember that? I actually asked him, do you remember that you bullied me? He goes, yeah, and I'm really sorry. I'm sorry for what I did to you. So the children, they do have problems. Mm -hmm. Like they've got a really low self-esteem. Yes. Or they've got something going on in their life that makes them feel bad. And so they're projecting it onto you to make themselves feel better.
0: Yeah. So... In your instances with those individuals, and you talk about one that's reconnected with mm. you, um, what would you say to individuals today who know they had bullied at school? Would you would you think it's advisable, like like to, if you accept that you made a mistake, to then perhaps go to the victims and say, "Look, I'm wiser and I'm older now, and I really am sorry for any hurt and pain." Just a recognition. Do you think that's a part that that would help the victims of bullying, particularly? when they're adults that, that have held on to it? Because I don't think people realise that people who are bullied do hold on to those hurts, mm-hmm. even, well, beyond. like you said, you might not have even accepted him as a friend, but you, mm. you gave him the opportunity and said, well, let's see what it's a, this is about. Mm. So do you think that's a that's been a, value experience, a valuable experience for you?
1: Oh, definitely, because as soon as he said to me, and I've actually seen him in person as well, Yes, and again, he apologised, I've actually had two lots of apologies. Yes. Yeah, I felt a part of my heart had healed. Yes. It was like I can I can now, you know, put that aside and and put that in and go I've dealt with it psychologically yeah. and emotionally. And how do you
0: find that person as an individual owning up to that mistake?
1: I think that was pretty big of him mm-hmm. to acknowledge yeah. and say that to me because it was a long time ago. Yes. And he could have just ignored yeah. ignored it and like when he sent me the facebook request the friend request i'm like well why do you want to be friends with me for yeah he was the one that actually reached out to me yeah
0: now you like a lot of people i've spoken with on um, people with a passion this difference you've spun it into a positive yeah you the adversity you faced as a young person growing up so let's talk about your experience you've explained as a teenager mm-hmm. you've that's motivated you to write now yes. your fifth book. So mm-hmm. you've got five books um all around embracing difference yep. and and characters in the book all are different. Mm-hmm. Do you want to speak to those five books as quickly as you can because yeah. there's a lot of them and um, and some of the characters in the narrative around what they're actually doing in the in the stories?
1: Yeah, so uh, I was a pretty determined and stubborn teenager. I learned to pick myself up when things were bad and, and keep going with the, with my support team my parents and my friends so then I went on to teaching which I did for 25 years and some people say well you were really bullied in school why did you why did you go
0: become a teacher become a yes. teacher
1: and I can't really answer that it's just that's what I decided to do I just sort of you know you have to decide on what, what you, you want, want to, to do. do my mom was a teacher i thought i liked helping kids so and um so through school i always loved writing mm-hmm. and i always had a heart for the children who were bullied and were different because i knew what they were going through yes and so i left teaching i had like burnout i had anxiety and depression and i was trying to be a super superwoman because i do have Three children. Yes, with two of them have my syndrome as well, mm-hmm. and my youngest has Down syndrome. Yes, so I live in the world of difference. Yes, and um, trying to be super mother, I, I fell in a heap.
0: I like that statement you said. I live in the world of difference. We mm. we all, for you, that has a different meaning. Mm. But really, when you talk about embracing difference, that statement mm-hmm. is actually the truth. Mm. We live in the world of difference. We Everyone do. is different. And unless you realise that, you're lying to yourself and that you're not living in the truth. but It's a reality that people need to understand. Oh,
1: absolutely. Forget
0: what you look like, Mm. forget what you believe even. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, the world, there's not two people on the planet that are the same. And
1: that's what makes humanity awesome. It's just a shame that society has put people into categories. Mm. And there are societies these certain people as being better than other people.
0: I remember it being said, I don't know, years and years ago, I always in my interviews come up with these statements that stick in my mind and I never remember who said them, but they just pop up when I'm talking to people. So one of them that stuck in my mind, and I don't know whether Oprah said it or when, before Dr. Phil was Dr. <laughs> Phil and was on the show, yeah. I'm going back decades, yep. she said... Labels are for milk cartons, not people. I like that,
1: yeah. So I left teaching, that's where I was getting to, and um, I was really lost because teaching was my identity and being a mum, and um, I've always loved to write. And as a teenager, also to cope with being different, I would write poetry and I would write stories. So all of that came back to me, Mm -hmm. and I had really been wanting to write uh, my memoir, but it was too painful so that's still coming and i will get um we'll get to that and um so i i wrote a book where the main character is a teenage girl and she has my facial syndrome and so writing it it's based on reality but it's fiction yes and doing that i was able to start the process of writing without it being quite so painful yes uh And I also based the book on my eldest daughter who was 14 at the time as well. So her feelings. Mm -hmm. So people who have read the story who know me can hear me, like even speaking through the book because it's got all, all the stuff I was called... You know all those yes, horrible names, nice. and it's got my daughter's speech she gave to her class about her face. Yes, but I've changed it to make the story. Mm. But it's also Um, and the girls, both the girl has anxiety as well, so and that's a major part of our life. Yeah. So, but it's a fictional story, and it's about overcoming. Okay. It's like dealing with the bully. There is a bully. And it's about overcoming and um, finding your purpose in life.
0: Yes. That's a huge word, purpose. It's actually come up in a lot of interviews uh, when talking to people about their passion. Yeah. That, that, Regardless of your situation in life, giving yourself or understanding a purpose. Yeah. So, so what is it for you now? Now, purpose Mm. can change over time. Writing the books is part of the journey. Yeah. Is it the same character in all five books? Or no. So, so let's speak to some of the other characters. So that's so was what book was that? Was that the first one? That was the first. What's the title of that? Ride
1: High Pineapple. And it's okay. actually sold internationally. Yes. And um, a lot of people like the book Wonder by R.J. Palacio. So this mm-hmm. is kind of a similar theme, yes. but it's for teenagers. Okay. And it's written by someone who has been there, done that. Yeah, okay. Um, so the, others, the second one I book uh, I wrote sorry, was Brockwell the Brave. And it was based on my son because he was a really gentle boy with long hair, like to play with girl, you know, girl yes. toys as they're classified. Yes. And, and, and I knew there are other boys out there like him. Yes. Um, he doesn't have a gender identity problem or anything. Like, he knows he's male. So I wrote a, a story, a Viking story. Yes. Where, But it's fantasy because um, Brockwell lives on a dragon farm. Yes. And he's scared of the dragon, so his father sees him as a disgrace. Okay. And the girl character is actually the rough, tough character. Yes. And then he wants to be a doctor, and he actually ends up healing Dad and saving Dad's life. And, okay. And Dad says, hey, cool, you are, just the way you are is perfect.
0: Yes. Uh, so, again, accepting difference. Accepting and, difference. And, and not judging someone on, right. on what you think they should be. So the yeah. norm.
1: And the stereotypes. Yes, yes stereotypes, Massive absolutely. male stereotypes out there that boys should be rough and tough. No, they don't need to be.
0: Yeah, yeah it's an expectation almost. Yeah. So third story, third book.
1: Third story I was asked to write. It's for children who whose parents are getting a divorce. So not quite so much the difference, but for those children, they do feel different when their parents uh, tell them that they're getting divorced and the whole world's fallen apart. So it's about a girl who goes into a fancy land and, and through a portal and has to do a whole heap of Challenges, which is the grief process kids go through yeah, and then okay. when he, and then she has to decide does she want to stay there or or go home?
0: Okay. So so, so they're all so so far they all have an element of adversity. Yes. And then they, they all have adversity. And then and, then they have as one person I interviewed recently said the characters have this there's there's good characters, bad characters, yeah. but every character he said has to have a save the cat moment. Yeah. And and so you're giving them all this this save the cat moment Mm -hmm. where they're almost a hero in their own story yeah
1: Yeah. well that one was called land of britannica okay the next one daniel barker is about bullying and being different and peer pressure in high school so he's given a magical book from egypt with wishes yes and um he has to use them for good or evil all the mummy's blight is awakened okay all's good in primary school gets to high school he gets bullied and picked on and
0: now he's got some choices to now make now
1: he's got some choice he makes bad choices and everything lets loose.
0: Yeah, okay. And I'm the understand. most
1: recent one, Amy and Phoenix, is about a little girl who lives on a farm. Uh, lamb is born with three legs dad wants to put it down okay but she wants to rescue the lamb and yes. she's a bit like dr Dolittle, and can speak to the animals oh that's and cool so it's a really fun nice story about mm. saving and it's modernized with youtube and oh, okay. all that sort of thing
0: yeah, so that's cool. So there's a journey in your writing and there's mm-hmm. there's some unique stories there. They're not all following the same stories. No, they're all stories. different. Yeah, and, and, and I think uh, anyone who needs to go and have a look at those, I'll get links to those yeah. and add them to the description yeah. in the in the um, channel here. You talked about the book Wonder. It's on the reading list in schools. Mm. And your your first one relates similar to that because yeah. your story, and it talks about a boy, I think you said with a the... Girl. S- a girl. G- sorry, the, the, the wonder, is that a girl or a boy? Uh, wonder is a boy. But it's a, yours is a girl. Mine's a the, girl. Um, with the same sort of uh, uh, difference, which is the... The, uh, the facial, facial syndrome. S- yeah. yeah. So... You're in schools talking to that because you've had that experience. Yeah. So do you want to talk about how important that is in your journey to now? Because for some people, talking about their journey journey is hurtful and, and, and brings up a lot of emotion. Mm-hmm. How important is it to you to get into the schools and talk and speak to this and, and, and let people understand? And what's the reception you're getting from kids and parents?
1: Yeah, well, I personally think it's really important for people to see others who are physically different um, because every we're out there in the community, even like facial differences are quite rare, but we're out there. So I don't want it to be, um, people who seems to have the shock. Like when I was little, you could see the shock on people's faces when they would see me for the first time. So it's really important for me to get out there and, um, help the other people in my situation um because they are and there's also more and more people with a difference out there whether it be a facial difference or something like autism or you know uh, a mental illness even
0: Mm. it would be hard i imagine to have a physical disability that the world can see and to be able to stand up with your chest out and feel good about yourself knowing that the world doesn't see you the same way as they do others so how do you deal with the the confident the self-confidence was it destroyed at times by you know like you said i asked why me when you're a teenager why am i faced with this challenge do you think that's answered now why do you think the why
1: Oh, oh definitely i i did feel when i got past being a teenager and became a teacher i did I knew my why then yes Uh, but now I feel I'm even got a greater why yes Uh, I can see that my whole journey has led to this part and I'm I'm at a point in my life where I'm accepting of myself I'm happy to share my story to help others I'm not I used to be embarrassed. I'm not embarrassed anymore. Mm. It used to be hurtful to, to, to say the words that I was called. called. Yes. Uh, I can do that now. Yes. So, and um, you asked about going into the schools and how I was received. The children just sit there. I think they're just, they don't even speak. It's like they're just absorbed in what I tell them. And at the end, the teachers are saying these are usually, you know, usually really rowdy kids, and you—they're not—they're just so uh, taken into your story.
0: Do you think it resonates with them? Because sometimes some of this stuff's taboo that people don't talk openly probably. about the experience, and they don't. It, 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 some of them would probably be relating. There's relatability.
1: Mm. Well, different people react in different ways. Mm. I kind of drew into myself. I was the opposite. I was I was a runner, mm-hmm. so my, like my brothers were getting into punch ups, mm. protecting me. Yeah, my girlfriends would tell people off to get away from me.
0: So these people saw the injustice around you and came yeah, to your defence. They did, yeah. Which and, is good. That's that community uh, you talk uh, about, absolutely. knowing that who your support network is.
1: And absolutely, um, it's peer pressure in a positive way. Yes, you know, um, we. I used to talk as a teacher to kids about. Don't just stand there and watch kids being picked on. You know, protect them. Stand by them. And um, that's what my friends did for me. Yeah, so
0: the the Dream Guards that I interviewed recently actually say be an upstander, not a bystander. Yeah, absolutely. So that's a difference. And, Mm. you know, say something, call it for what it is and Mm. say it's not not acceptable. What's the result when people come to the rescue for someone who's being bullied?
1: Well, then they feel valued too. They feel valued as a human being. Because when you're being consistently picked on, you don't feel worthy as a human being. You don't feel valued, you don't feel important. Mm. But when you've got people who stand up for you, then you go, well, yeah, I am important. I might not be important to the bully, but I'm important to these people around me. And that's really important. And when I go into schools and speak, even though I'm presenting my facial syndrome and my, my visual impairment, the kids. I talk to the kids who also feel different in whatever way it is. So I, I generalise it to them as well and yep. give them strategies for embracing their difference yes. and being happy with who they are because they're perfect the way they are, no matter what that looks like.
0: Yeah, no, that's um very powerful, and giving them the tools is important. Yeah. A lot of people speak to what bullying is, but they mm-hmm. don't actually deal with it. Right, and and I think people who are in the experience who can talk around how and what worked for them. Now, yeah. that's not for everyone. It's it's actually no, not no. not for everyone. Um, interestingly, as you're speaking there, again, I think it was Guy Kawasaki said, um, tomorrow's, sorry, today's nobody is tomorrow's somebody. You know, and just the thought of that, like you're an author now, mm-hmm. you're going into schools, you're yep. changing people's lives, you're empowering people that are victims of bullying, you're probably yep. exposing bullies to the, the understanding of, of yep. what... What what's hurting? What hurts? Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully changing and making them think about themselves and their actions. If not, trying to discover who they are and make themselves feel better about themselves. Understanding that that's part of it for some bullies is that it is about making themselves feel better. When in fact mm-hmm. there are other ways to do that. Yeah. Um. In the same way as the the victim isn't feeling good about themselves. And 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 the the fact is is positively positivity breeds positivity, mm. negativity breeds negativity. So if a bully is bullying, internally that's such a negative experience that for them, even if they're suppressing it, there's got to be some degree of guilt around it or some something they're masking that uh, stops absolutely. them from having empathy or mm. compassion for so- others to be able to even begin to do that.
1: And, it, and it's also about respect. I mean, we see lack of respect in many spheres of today's society. Yes. So I try and impart on the students, be kind to each other yes. and, and respect other people for being different. Even if you don't like them, you can still respect them Yeah. So and, and be nice to them.
0: So your journey with all this stuff is now seeing you train in a space that you've lacked some confidence, which mm-hmm. is speaking, even though you've been a teacher, mm. that's easy to have an audience in front of kids. <laughs> well, Maybe not. That's probably a misconception. <laughs> I probably shouldn't say that. You've been a teacher, so you know they're yeah. a truck They can be a tough crowd at times. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so how how is this journey going for you now? Because you've actually gone and trained to do some I public have, speaking
1: because I want to be the best version of myself, and that's something I also talk to the children about. So I encourage children to be the best version of themselves. So. Be positive. Be and I talk about resilience and when bad things happen, pick yourself back up and keep on keep on going. So, and that's what I've had to do. So I suffer. I could say suffer with anxiety my whole life. It started in my childhood. Yes. And as a teacher, I was in my comfort zone, so I would still get anxiety, but I could manage it. Yes. But then when I decided. I wanted to be a professional speaker. The anxiety really raised its head because, you know, I wanted to talk about personal stuff yeah. as well, and uh, I've suffered a lot from judgment of other people because anxiety and depression normally either come from abandonment or rejection or judgment or criticism. Yes, and I'd had a lot of that growing up, so it was only my psyche. So I had to work through it, and so I took myself off to do some training so that I can be the best speaker to be authentic but also deliver my message in the most powerful way.
0: Well, I'm happy you've done that training before Did coming you? on. <laughs> yeah, Because um, you've presented everything very well. And Thank I you. think it's a tough gig, let, let alone being in front of a camera or talking to mm. a complete stranger, which you're doing, to mm-hmm. open up uh, about your life. Yeah, um, It takes courage to do that. And, and I think the true heroes in a lot of these stories that I've been speaking to people about their passion are the individuals where they've overcome the adversity and they've found a way through regardless yep. of what people think or say or, or even their own self-talk that they've learned to yeah. change their own narrative. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and I commend you on actually having a crack to, to make a difference in other I people's do. lives because yeah. ultimately that's what it is for you. So yeah. you're say, when you say embrace difference... You're trying to teach people that it's okay to be different, yeah. And that if you are in a situation where you're born different, and that's something you can't change, then any if anyone has an issue with that, that is not your problem.
1: That's right, absolutely. Uh, and and I do stress to the kids we are all different, but some people are, are seen as more different, mm. and they're the ones that can feel really isolated in society. So I want people to know that it's okay to be called weird even. Like, that's great. Yeah. I, you know?
0: I had someone sit and say that they didn't want to be classified as normal, that they would take yeah. that as an insult. Right,
1: okay. So, look, it's, it's
0: a, a narrative you tell yourself. This is yeah. this is the thing is it's, it's like, you know, I, I coach in a space at the moment. There's a young man who's really tall and he's got really big feet Mm -hmm. and and he's getting picked on again because of his difference yeah now all i'm seeing is really big feet he's already tall he's 12 years old he's he's got more chance of being a basketballer than anyone else that i'm probably coaching so for me i told him he's a superhero he just hasn't found his superpowers yet yeah yeah and and when i put it in that Context to him, I said, "You can let these people laugh at you, but at the end of the day, you are—I'm not joking when I say—you are a superhero. You just haven't found your superpowers yet." Because given his height, his age, um, and already where he's at, what some people don't actually know is, I've coached a kid like him who now plays in the NBL, in our national league, and I just see the comparison of where that individual is at. I, I had the honor of working with him when he was younger, and he's now in in the NBL. And I look at what this kid was like at that age compared mm-hmm. to this guy and I can see this potential for this guy to be on the same path. Now, whether the reason he's being bullied is actually because others may know that, like think, well, he's probably going to be a basketballer and they're a little bit jealous, that's possible. But he's highly uncoordinated and that's the that's the kicker for him. But there's a reason for it. And mm. kids don't understand there's a reason for it. But, yeah, as far as I'm concerned, you're a superhero. Mm, thank because. you because you've turned what others would perceive as a weakness into mm. a strength. Mm. And I think this is the the narrative that people can do and I find it more in people who are passionate about whatever they're passionate about is they see opportunity to help others. Yeah. And therefore that's the superhero. Mm.
1: And mm. I want to speak life. Like you spoke life into the boy. Yes. I want to speak life into other into children who are growing up and yes. even adults. I've had a lot of adults come to me and go, You're so, you know, look at what everything you've done and you're so inspirational. I don't call myself inspirational. I've just lived the best life I can with what I've been given and I've developed strategies. And I want to, if I can help people to live their best life, then that's great. That's what I want to do.
0: Yeah. I guess, I guess, just um, to wind it sort of up, Mm because I've finished on this superhero thing, it's interesting. We all grow up as kids looking at, this concept of superheroes, yeah, and even bullies like they see hero villain, yeah. But the reality is, is in ev in other people's lives, you talk about breathing life and speaking yeah. life into people, yeah. That everyone has that gift that they could be the hero of their own story.
1: Yeah, absolutely. They could
0: be the hero of their own story. Yeah, go on. Like the most popular movies are a Marvel and DC comic mm-hmm. m- movies made into movies. And, and they're, they're almost aspirational and you look at those heroes and, you know, maybe it's because we all wish we had superpowers. The fact is, is we all do. Yeah. And, and the difference that you've turned into a superpower, basically. That's pretty good. Yeah. All right. Well, I appreciate your time. I really do, Jenny Woolsey. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) Um, go out. I'll put your books in the description. Yeah, thank you. And um, hopefully, people are lucky enough if you're on the speaking circuit at some Mm -hmm. point to see you speak as you embark on that journey. And I'm sure that hopefully some schools will connect with you to talk about not only your books but books that are relevant in this space. But Mm -hmm. I really appreciate your time and uh, sharing your passion with us.
1: All right, thank you, Craig.
0: Thanks for taking time to watch this video. If you enjoyed what you saw, please. give it a thumbs up if you haven't yet subscribed make sure you smash that subscribe button and also hit the bell button to get notified when new interviews are uploaded once again thanks for joining us and hopefully we'll see you again sometime catch you later